0: We are going to be tonight in Luke chapter 5. If you got Bibles or phones, which everyone has phones these days, even if you don't have a Bible app, go on Google and just type in Luke chapter 5. It works. So, we are going to be doing a series. Um, I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but we are starting a new series tonight on leadership. When you freshmen weren't here at this point, but I was sending out a text to a bunch of the... Uh, kids who are already in the group, so the students, and I asked them, what kind of series would you guys like to hear? And I gave them a list of things, there was a poll, and one of the number one things that got chosen was a series on leadership. So, that's what we're doing. We are talking about what it means to be a leader. So think about the word leader. Like when you think of the word leader, what do you think of? Like what comes to mind? I know for me, um, I think of my best friend, Trevor Daigle, just natural born leader, awesome dude. And he was the kind of guy where, I don't know if you guys have friends like this, but like, you know you know when your friends are like trying to figure out where to go to eat? You guys ever deal with that? You have friends and you're trying to figure out where do we go to eat? Friends. What? Friends. Sorry, Stefan. Stefan needs friends, FYI. But for us, we would always be like, where are we gonna go? Do we wanna go to Starbucks? Do we wanna go to Chipotle? Do we wanna go to Panda Express? And Trevor would just be like, we're going to Roundtable," round table! And no one would ask questions, no one would debate, it was just like, that guy's the leader. And we would go and whether it was what we were going to watch on TV or what movie we were going to go see He would usually make the decisions and we were all happy to follow along because he was an awesome leader I know for me like I think of a businessman when I think of leader like a team captain or like a pirate ship captain or like a dad I don't know those are all the words that come to my mind when I think of leader But I want to ask you guys like think about what it means to be a leader Does, does being a leader mean bossing people around? Does it mean like demanding loyalty from others or does it mean that, you know, leadership is like a platform for success, fame, and fortune? Like if you become a leader, you will instantly have all of your dreams come true? Well, tonight, I have a point I want to make to you guys. And before I say that, I want to say this. Uh, It's a quote by a guy named John C. Maxwell. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Have you guys ever been in leadership? Has anyone here, whether you know it was in elementary school or whether it was in junior high or here in high school, have you guys ever been a leader of anything? Have you ever been like a leader of a class project or a captain of a team in sports or anything like that? Um, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy being a leader? Raise your hand if you've ever been a leader and you've enjoyed it. Okay, so a few people. So. That's not wrong. Like Leadership is actually something that's not wrong to desire because God made humans to lead. Like When God put Adam and Eve on the earth, he put them there to basically be in charge of leading the world, like in, in charge of going into the world and, and making it move forward, to take the Garden of Eden and expand it beyond the garden walls. So leadership is not a bad thing. However, there's a right and wrong way to lead. So for the first message, my focus is just on one thing, and that's... If you're gonna be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. And you might hear that and you might be like, well, leaders are supposed to be in the front, and if you're following someone you're not in the front, you're behind, so how does that work out? Well, I would say that if you wanna be a great leader, you have to become a great follower because even though people don't hardly ever talk about it, All of history's great leaders got their start following. Think about Joshua. Joshua in the Bible followed Moses for more than 40 years before he led the children of Israel to the promised land. Elisha served Elijah for 10 years before he took up his master's mantle and went on to perform even more miracles. And Peter followed Jesus for three years and he made a lot of mistakes before he and his other disciples turned the whole world upside down like it says in the book of Acts. So for those of you guys here, I think every single one of you guys is called to be a leader in some way. Some of you guys will grow up, and you might end up being a boss. That might sound horrible to you now. You're like, bosses are so lame. But you guys might end up becoming a boss one day. Um, some of you guys might end up leading families. Um, some of you guys might end up leading volunteer teams at a church. Some of you guys might end up teaching Bible studies or becoming pastors. Or uh, There's lots of different ways you can lead. And so I think every single one of us needs to know how we, need, how we can lead. Because the reality is... Even if you don't become a leader as far as your paycheck goes or like what your job is, we all lead in different ways. Every single one of us has different people who look at us and follow us, whether it's siblings, whether it's friends, underclassmen. I even know sometimes um, you know, you'll have somebody where they're such a strong leader where they're an underclassman, and some of the upperclassmen follow them. It's rare, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does. So for all of us who lead, which is every single one of us, we all lead in some ways. We gotta ask the question, three questions. Where are you going? Why are you going? And who is leading the way? Those are questions we have to ask. Where are you going in your life? Where are you going so that when people follow you, where are they going as well? Also, why are you going? Like, What is your purpose? What is your motivation? What is your reasons for going the way you do? And the main question is who is leading the way? Because the reality is every single one of us, even if we're the leader, we're always following somebody or something. For us, our faith is all about following. Christianity is like this long history of followers. Um, the early Christians called Christianity not Christianity, not Calvary Chapel, not Catholicism or Methodism or Lutheranism, or, 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 I don't know what it's called. Lutheranism? I don't know. I have no idea what to call it. But they didn't call it that, they called it just simply the way. So the idea was, we follow Jesus, we are a part of the way. What church do you go to? We're a part of the way. We're followers. All the way back from the beginning, God makes Adam and Eve, what, is it, what are they called to do? They're called to follow God. And then they make the mistake and they mess up. And then God picks Abraham. And what does God call Abraham to do? He says, Abraham, follow me. Abraham has a family. They end up in slavery in Egypt. And then Moses is stirred up by the Lord. And God says to Moses, Moses, follow me. And then Moses goes to the people of Israel and says, it's time for you to leave bondage of slavery in Egypt. And now what do you do? You follow. It's all about following all throughout the Old Testament and leading up to Jesus. And now the whole of our Christianity is all about following. Through different phases of God's plan, it's always been about following Jesus. And a lot of people think that, you know, to be Christians these days, it means, you know, you get saved, you live your life, and then you sin, you ask God for forgiveness, you rinse, you repeat. That's what it's all about. But people miss that the story is not over. We have an important part. Guys, seriously, like new freshmen, you guys, check this out. You have an important part to play in God's story. If you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, you are absolutely called to be a follower of Jesus. So with that, let's get into Luke chapter 5 and let's look at how Jesus calls us to be followers so that we can lead. Verse 1 of chapter 5 says this, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And so he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked them to put a little from shore, to ship out from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So picture it like this, like you guys are townspeople. And then Jesus strolls up and Jesus is like this rad teacher that everyone's stoked on. Like this Jesus guy is so cool. He has the best stuff to say. So Jesus is like getting ready to teach and he doesn't stand on the shore. What he does is he gets in a boat. So he kind of ships off a little bit. So you guys are all standing on the shore and Jesus is in the boat. and He's standing in the boat, teaching the people. And it says in verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, so he's done with his Bible study, turns over to Simon, the captain of the boat, this fisherman, and he says, Simon, go out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Well, Simon is, you know, this is like one of his first meetings with Jesus. I'm not sure if he had met him like once before. I think he might have. But he doesn't know that much about Jesus. He just knows that Jesus is this itinerant rabbi teacher. And so he says to Jesus, um, verse 5, Simon answers, Master, we've been working hard all night. We haven't caught anything. Like, I'm a fisherman. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, you think, like, you know, you're, you're judging me because I don't have any fish. You're saying I'm a bad fisherman. Like, come on, Jesus. I know what I'm doing. But then in verse 5, he says, but... Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. I'll listen to you. You're a teacher. You're a man of God. I'll do what you say. So verse six, when they had done so, they put down the nets. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in order in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It's like fish mania. They dropped the nets and all of a sudden there's so many fish. They found Nemo. It's like everybody's there in the net and it's all like just like time for a fish barbecue. It's awesome. So in verse eight, Simon's like freaking out because he's looking at Jesus and he's like, I assume that you knew nothing about fishing because you're like a carpenter teacher and Now you've done this miracle. This is insane. So verse eight, Simon says, uh, or he he fell at the Jesus's knees and said, go away. He's like, get out of here. Um, I am a sinful man. He's not like mad at him. He's just like, please leave. Like, I am not good enough to be in your presence. You are amazing. Verse nine, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on, you will fish for people, which probably sounded weird. Like, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, do we grab like hooks and bait and like go like Jesus? Like, just imagine how weird that would be if like, you'd never met Jesus and he walks up and he's like, Hey, I see you're fishing. What if we wouldn't fish for people? Like just, it's a little creepy. Anyway. Um, so verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything and they followed him. So this is one of Peter's stories. And This is a story for us, for me at least. I love this story because it's such an amazing example of how we are to follow. Peter ends up being an amazing leader. He doesn't start out that way. He ends up being an amazing leader, but he starts with following. And look at the progression of him following. Like, it starts with Jesus telling him to do something that sounds crazy. Like, Jesus shows up, and he's like... Hey, I know you're the fisherman, but let me tell you my plan about fishing. And like Peter had every right to be like, "Uh, Jesus, you should probably go build a coffee table or something. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. (laughs) Like what? Why are you telling? But no, that's not what happens. Peter trusts. He's doubting a bit, but he's looking at Jesus and he's like, okay, I understand that you're from God. And even though what you're saying sounds crazy, have you ever had God tell you to do something that sounds crazy? That's what Peter's going through. Even though what God is telling him to do sounds crazy, he trusts. And that trust leads to following. And even though he feels unworthy, following leads Peter to realizing his potential. This is the start of Peter's journey of going and following Jesus and doing great things for the Lord. Years later, Peter would be walking. This is after Jesus' death. Peter would be walking with John. And they'd see a lame man, like a guy who couldn't walk. And they'd go up to him and the lame man's like, can you give me some silver and gold? I really need some silver and gold. And Peter is just like, you know what? I don't have silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the dude is healed. That's, that's not who Peter was in this story in Luke chapter five. Like in, in Luke chapter five, if you told Peter that like somebody could heal somebody and make them walk, Peter would be like, that's insane. That's not real. He started out with such little faith, but through following Jesus, he grew into amazing leader. Peter was the guy who... After Jesus had died, he gets up in the, the Pentecost and the book of Acts. He gets up and he teaches this Bible study to a crowd of people. And it's such a powerful message. Not that Peter's an amazing speaker, but God speaks through him that 3,000 people in one day, in one message, get saved. Peter's a great leader, but he began as a follower and he remained a follower his entire life. He let Jesus lead him and then others followed where Jesus led. Do you get that? As you follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus, other people are going to follow you. And as you're going where Jesus calls you to go, you're going to bring other people along the way. It is one of the most exciting aspects of Christianity that we can be used in such a way where it's not us saying, I'm going to go forge my destiny and you all come with me. It's just us saying, you know what? Jesus, lead me. Like, in your school, in your family, in your neighborhood, with your friends. I'm not talking about necessarily big things like going to Africa, which is awesome. We've had some counselors who went to Africa. Jesus led them there. It was an amazing, awesome thing. Jesus does that. He leads us to these big, awesome things. But on a day-to-day basis as well, Jesus wants to lead you. When you wake up in the morning, when you're going downstairs and you see dishes in the sink, and you think, I could just play video games today, or I could help my mom. Or, You see a friend, and they're down, and you think, I've got my own issues, I don't wanna talk to them, or you think, Jesus is leading me right now to speak to them, to bless them, encourage them. There's so many opportunities where Jesus is calling us and leading us. Jack Hiles says this, nobody is fit to be a leader unless he would rather be a follower instead of a leader. We are all called to be leaders, but we're not worthy to be leaders until we're first followers. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus says this. He's looking at his disciples, and they're all concerned about who's going to be the greatest. They're like, oh, I'm going to be the greatest follower of Jesus of all time. I'm going to be so great and so impressive. And like, I'm just going to be so intense for the Lord that when you get to heaven, Jesus, I just know I'm going to be sitting there at your right hand. There's going to be a throne just for me. And Jesus is like, guys, you're, you're dumb. In verse 35, he says, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant of all. Jesus is saying, if you want to be a great leader, you have to start by serving others. You have to get on your hands and knees and serve others. My question for you guys is like, who are you following? Because we're all following somebody. Like, literally, we're all following, like, thousands of people on Instagram. Like, some of you guys are, like, really particular about that. Like, you're, like, every week, like, unfollowing people and, like, trying to make sure you have, like, a ratio of, like, I'm only following, like, 150 people because I'm super exclusive. I just follow, like, everybody because I just don't care. Um, But, you know, who are you following as far as, like, who do you look to as an example in your life? Is it Kanye, Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, Chance the Rapper? Jimmy Fallon, Justin Timberlake, is it your best friend, your brother or sister, your mom or dad? Is it me? Is it Scott, Amanda, Brooklyn, the other counselors? Like, who are, who are you looking to as an example? Listen, if the answer to the question is not Jesus primarily, first of all, then the answer is wrong. Jesus tells us what happens when we follow people who aren't him. When we follow people who aren't Jesus, it's not good. There was these guys called the Pharisees in Jesus' day who were like super spiritual, super religious. They thought they were all that. And Jesus is like, you people look at these guys like they're the ultimate example. If you follow them, you're literally like blind people following blind people. You know what happens if you're a blind person following a blind person? That guy walks in a hole, you walk in a hole, you all die. That's that's in a different translation, but that's basically what Jesus said. Um, I love what John Collins says. Listen to this. John Collins, this is such a good quote. He says, you are to follow no man further than he follows Christ. Do you hear that? Listen to that. You guys all follow people in your life, whether it's someone you follow on Instagram and you're like, I love this person. They're so cool. Their fashion is so cool or they're so funny or it's someone in your school. They're the classmate, someone in your family. Uh, you all follow somebody. We all look up to people. We all aspire to be like people. I know I have my whole life, but I love what John Collins says. Don't follow anyone further than he follows Jesus. He's basically saying, like, if you're following somebody because they're following Jesus, like you're looking at them and you're like, this person is like Jesus. He's like Jesus. She's like Jesus. They're an awesome example. They love the Lord. They're doing these great, great things. If you're following their example, that's awesome. But once they get to the point where they stop following Jesus and they're suddenly setting a bad example— Don't follow them anymore. Like, don't follow them further than they follow Jesus because once anyone that you're following starts doing what they do for their own fame or their own popularity or their own gain, if you follow that path, it's a path where Jesus says it's literally like the blind leading the blind. It's not a good path. Now, we all make mistakes. Like, followers make mistakes. Has anyone here ever made a mistake? I've made so many mistakes in my life. I make them all the time. So <laughs> I was cleaning recently while B- Brooklyn was gone in um, Oklahoma. And um, th- we were smelling this weird smell in our house. And I was like, what is that smell? So one day I decided I'm going to clean. And so I-, I start cleaning underneath the sink. And so I'm pulling out all the cleaning supplies. And the smell is just getting nastier and nastier. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that smell? That's terrible. I feel like I'm going to die right now. And then I really felt like I was going to die because I like pulled it all back. And there was just a family of like dead baby mice, just like, ah! and like, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And it smelled so bad. And I was just like, oh! and like, I got gloves and I like pulled out the dead babies and like threw them away. And I was just like, oh! so I was like, I have to clean. I have to like clean this up. This is just, this is bad. So I called my mom and I'm like, mom, how do I clean this? And she's like, use bleach. And I'm like, okay, I'll use bleach. Now I think what she meant was like, get like some bleach white and like wipe it down. I was just like, I'll just get a big old bottle of bleach and just dump the entire thing, like just because I really wanted to be clean. So I was like, you know, you guys ever seen one of those like shows where like they murder somebody and they're like, we need the cleaner, and they bring in the guy like who like puts plastic all over the place. He's got bleach and he's dumped, Maybe you guys don't watch terrible shows, like anyway though. That's what I was doing. I was just like, yeah, I'm the cleaner, and I was just pouring bleach all over the place. And I was like, I'm gonna clean this so good, like it's gonna be like the mice never even were born. And it was just, it was, it was the fumes. Okay, the fumes hit me. Oh my gosh, I felt like my face was melting because I was like sticking my face like down in this cupboard where all these bleach. I'm not very smart. So I start getting super lightheaded. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like this is really bad. Like I feel like my face is melting, like the bleach is, and so I'm, I'm freaking out. And um, I'm like, I just need to get away from the kitchen. If I can get away from the kitchen, I'll be okay. So I run outside and I'm like in my pajamas. And I run outside and I'm like, breathe, breathe. And every breath that I take, it like smells and like tastes like bleach. Like the smell of, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's like, it was like the fumes were still in my nostrils. And at that point, my brain was like, you poison yourself, you're going to die. So I was like, I need to call 911. So I pull up on my phone. Well, first I thought I got to call Brooklyn um, because, you know, I want to like say, I love you before I die. But then I was like, I need to call 911. So I pull up my phone and my phone is dead. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I'm getting so lightheaded. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm like, Like literally in that moment, I straight up did think I was going to die. Like I was that dramatic about it. So I literally just ran like I just started running down my street in my pajamas to my neighbor John's house. He lives in a trailer. You guys know you've been to my house. He's that guy with the big beard. I was like. John will know what to do. John's an adult. I'm not. I'm, like, almost 30, but I'm bleaching myself to death. So I, like, run in my pajamas. My hair's flopping all over the place, and I, like, I bang on John. John's trailer. I'm like, John, open up. He's like, hey, eh, what's going on? I'm like, I'm dying. I bleached myself. He's like, what, are you, what? Like, it was It was bad. He was just basically, he's like, he's like, yeah, hey, oh, all right, old fella. You're okay. It's all right. You're not going to die from bleach. Just breathe, just breathe. And I was okay. I was fine. I. But it was, it was a dumb mistake. It was a really dumb mistake that led me to feel like I was going to die. Another mistake I made recently was, um, I was at a, a prayer night at Evan Wickham's church down in San Diego. And, um, I just like, it was like the worship was going on and like, they were talking a lot about healing, you know, and just like how God has the power to heal. And I believe God has the power to heal. I've seen God heal people. I knew a guy who was blind, God healed him. He can see now. So like, I'm not skeptical about that stuff. I believe it's real. I've never healed anybody. Um, but, uh, I know that he can. So He's talking about healing, and at the time, my wife was really going through a lot of pain with her back. And so, you know, they're talking about healing, and I'm getting all excited, and I'm like, I can... I can heal somebody with the power of the Lord. So I put my hand on her back, okay? And I'm just, I'm like praying for her hardcore. Like the worship's going, I'm just like, Lord, heal her. I know you can. I'm not even gonna like pray one of those wimpy prayers. Like, God, if you feel like it, like if it's in your will. Like, I was just like, God, you can heal her, heal her. And I'm just like, I'm just putting my hand on her back and I'm healing for her or praying her. I don't know what I'm saying. My gosh, I'm having like a speech impediment right now. I was praying for her to heal her. And she looks at me and she goes, honey. And I'm thinking, She's gonna tell me she's healed. And she's like, can you take your hand off my back? It really hurts when you do that. So I was bummed, I was like, oh man, I made a mistake. And that's Peter. He's all about mistakes. He's like, he's so dumb. He has much more of a speech impediment than I do where he's standing there and Jesus is like, I'm going to die and come back from the dead and save people. And Jesus, or Peter's like, you'll never die, Jesus. And Jesus is like, Peter, you're literally being a servant of Satan right now. Get behind me. Like, what are you doing? Peter is constantly making mistakes just like I am. If you're like me, just like you are. But Jesus never gives up on Peter and he never gives up on us. Jesus is the God of second chances. Now, guys, I want to talk about what following means for us. Here's a couple things to remember about following if you're taking notes. One, following means forward motion. A lot of times in our Christianity, we're like, I went to camp, and like God spoke to me, and it was rad, and I'm good now. Like I don't need to learn anything else from Jesus the rest of the year. Like I'm solid. I don't know if you ever get that way, but I do. It's like we have these moments of great spiritual heights, and then we're just kind of like, I'm done growing. I'm done growing. And the reality is God wants us to constantly be growing. Christianity is constantly about moving forward. There's an old saying where it's like Christianity is like this uphill climb. If you stop moving, you'll start backsliding. So following is about forward motion because when someone is moving forward and you're following them, it implies that you're putting your faith, your feet to your faith and that you're moving forward. Another thing about following is it's about growing and changing. I think honestly, guys, every single one of us, myself included, we should constantly be asking the question how can I grow? How can I change? How can I give? Into Jesus more and stop giving in to sin. How can I become a better person? Not in like the self help way, but in the better disciple of Jesus. How can I be kinder to people? How can I be more patient? We can get so comfortable with ourselves because we don't like to think about the bad things about us. We love the good things. When someone comes up to us and is like, hey, you're doing great. You're awesome. Good job, buddy. Pat on the back. We love that. When someone criticizes us, like, does anyone here get like stoked when someone criticizes you? Like, hey, like, let me tell you what you did wrong you punk? Like, is anyone here just like, I love that. That makes my heart sing. Like, no, we don't do that. We don't like those things. And so we often don't face our own darkness. We often don't come before the Lord and say, God, I was really just like bemoaning the depths of my wicked heart. Please heal me. Like we don't often do that. But we should. We should constantly be going to the Lord and saying, like David said, search my heart, Jesus, if there's anything wicked in it. Heal me of it. Help me to become better. And it's not because Christianity is like performance driven. It's not that God is like, if you don't straighten up, I won't love you. It's precisely because he loves us that he wants us to become more like him. And that means dying to ourselves and leaving our flesh behind. And thirdly, following means going where he sends you. Some of you new freshmen don't know this, um, but I told the group this a couple weeks ago, but right now my wife and I are going through this right now. God came to us and like said, I want you to go to Ireland one day and do some missionary work. And that was 10 years ago. And so we prayed about it for 10 years and nothing happened. And we're like, God, did you really say that? Or did we just make that up 10 years ago? And literally this year, he sent three random homeless people on different days at different times to tell us that we're supposed to go to Ireland. It was insane. And, and, and so um, we're actually going to go on a two month trip. In August and September, we're going to be down there doing missions work, and then we're going to come back and tell you guys all that how it went. It's going to be so cool. Um, but you know, for us, it's really tough to like go somewhere for two months and like leave behind all you guys, and just like it just doesn't make sense. Like it didn't make sense ten years ago. It doesn't make sense now to go to some place that we've never been and we know nothing about. But. Being a Christian means going where God sends you, whether that's to Uganda, whether that's to Ireland, whether that's to a different lunch table at school with people that you're not familiar with because Jesus wants you to share the gospel. And oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. They're going to think I'm socially awkward, but he wants you to do it because he wants his truth to spread. He's going to constantly call you to do things that don't make sense. He's going to constantly tell you to lay down things that don't make sense to lay down. He's going to constantly tell you to pick up things that don't make sense, to pick up and go places that don't make sense to go. But that is part of being a follower you know, Abraham was the guy who went through that. One of the first people in the Bible who went through that. Abraham is this dude living out in the desert, worshiping the sun. Like his eyes probably hurt from staring at the sun for so long. And God shows up and he's like, Hey, forget the sun. I made that. I'm the real God. My name's Yahweh. Follow me. And Abraham's like, Oh my gosh, like, who who are you? And he's like, I just said, I'm Yahweh. Follow me. And Abraham's like, what do I do? And he's like, just go. It's like, what? Yeah, just go in that direction. Okay, where am I going, God? I'm not going to tell you. Just go. That's what Abraham had to deal with. But that's why Abraham for us is such a great example of faith. So many times in your life, God's going to tell you to do something, but he's not going to give you the next step. Or he's not going to give you the full plan. He's going to just give you the next step. He's going to say, hey, I've got a great plan for you. And you're like, God, what is it? What's the 10-year plan? What college do I go to? Who am I supposed to marry? What job am I going to get? What are my 17 babies' names going to be? Whoa, 17 babies, that's crazy. I know, God, but it's your plan. I don't know. It sounds like your plan. Uh, Anyway, like, you know what I mean? It's like, we have all these, like, We have all these expectations that God is going to tell us how the whole thing is going to go. But oftentimes God is like, hey, you're not ready for that. If I told you the whole plan, you would screw it up. So here's the next step. Just take the next step. Step. And then the the wood cracks in the woods. And that's what we just heard. Um, That's what Abraham went through. And that's what the 12 disciples went through. And that's what we went through. That's what we go through. Jesus is constantly saying, follow me. Now, here's another thing. That we're called to do. We're called to be planted. We're called to be planted. Today, when I was walking in the park, I saw a tree, and I was looking at that tree, and it was just—it was a big tree. Like, look at this tree. This is perfect. This—it's a live illustration. Look at this giant, beautiful tree. I feel like it's going to start like speaking to us. It's just—it's amazing. So, this tree, let's say it was a little sapling. Like, just imagine this tree is like a little baby tree, like Groot, like baby Groot. You guys remember baby Groot? He's like doing the little dance moves. So just a baby, little baby tree. So if that tree is going to grow up and be big and strong, what does it have to do? It has to root itself. It has to like dig those roots deep down and start soaking up the soil. If that tree decides to like come to like the source of its power and only just like get it a little bit, you know, like, oh, it's Sunday. Time to get a little bit rooted. Now I'm going to pull my roots up and keep walking around. That's what a lot of us do. Jesus is saying to you, be rooted, be constantly connected with the spirit of God. But instead, we're like, I'm just going to come on Wednesday and hear a Bible study and like maybe get a little bit out of it. And then I'm going to like just pull my roots up and I'm just going to live my life the way that I want. And Jesus is like, no, I want you to constantly be tapping into who I am. We need to be rooted in our faith. So many people walk away. And I've seen people from this group, people that I love with all of my heart, like follow Jesus hardcore. Like they're just the poster child for loving Jesus. And they're like, I'm a Jesus freak and I love the Lord. And now they want nothing to do with Jesus and they hate him. And they just They hate the faith and they hate followers of Jesus. And and, and I've heard people say, you know, oh man, I just can't be a Christian anymore because Christians are terrible. Like you don't know, like Christians hurt me. Christians did wrong things. Like the church is messed up. It's corrupted and all this stuff. Here's my question for them and for us, if you feel that way ever, are we talking about Jesus? Was Jesus the one that hurt you? Was Jesus the one who did those things to you? Was Jesus the one who let you down? No, it's always people. And That's why it's so important that we Christians who, if you're here today and you're like, I'm not one of those people. I love Jesus and I follow him. Great, awesome, but do we take our faith seriously so that when someone looks at us, they're not gonna say, that was a Christian who let me down, but they're gonna say, that is a hardcore follower of Jesus and I wanna follow them because they follow him. Because there's a lot of jerks out there who claim to be Christians, but they don't actually practice the faith. You know, They're like, oh yeah, I went to... I went to church once, I got saved, I got saved at a youth camp, but now they're living in their life in a way where it stumbles everyone around them and they don't care about Jesus and their, their favorite verse is just judge not lest you be judged and they just wanna do what they wanna do. Those people claiming to be Christians and living that way, they're hurting the faith. I saw this picture that just really spoke to me, it was like a picture that showed up on Instagram and it was basically, you see this church and it's set up and it's like on this cliff and there's tons of people going into the church, just like pouring into it. But the the church is situated where it's like the front door is on the edge of the cliff, but then the back is just like hanging out. And so people are walking into the church, but then they're falling off the cliff because there's no there's there's nothing there. It's hollow. And for us as Christians, for us as a youth group, if all we are is just pizza and games and bonfires, but there's no substance, we don't have any foundation in Jesus. We don't want to see people coming here and then just slipping through the cracks because there is nothing here to keep them there. We want to be a church. We want to be a group at Calvary Vista here where people come and they say, I love Jesus. And when I'm with you guys, I want to love Jesus even more because when I spend time with you, you remind me of how amazing and beautiful and wonderful the family of God is. And now I want to follow Jesus even more. The problem is many of those people never fully understood who Jesus was. I'm going to read you guys a story by a guy named Josh Doolin. This is from Josh. I'm going to read his words. So Josh says, I grew up in the church and I went to a Christian school. And from the start, I was expected to look a certain way and do certain things. My parents loved the Lord and wanted to be sure that I did too. So ever since I can remember, I had been taught that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He loves me and died for me and I have to follow him. However, how to follow him never really got explained much beyond what not to do. And the way I saw following was to wear Jesus accessories. I don't know what that is, like maybe a little cross necklace or something, I don't know, uh, and keep my shirt tucked in, and always have good manners and make wise choices. And uh, up until high school, I believed that God had set the bar, and if I was going to get into heaven, I better not fall short. And in middle school there were so many temptations around me. I remember feeling so much guilt after seeing a TV show that I wasn't supposed to watch or looking at a girl in a bikini on Instagram or you know I was instantly afraid that God would erase me from the list. And and I tried so hard to hold on to the Christian lifestyle by following rules but found myself incomplete. I saw God using other people in incredible ways but never saw him doing anything in my life and I was sure I wasn't following hard enough. So I would try harder not to mess up but Trying wasn't working. I began to please people since I didn't believe I could please God. And wherever I could feel accepted is where I went. I got good grades to be accepted by teachers. I helped out at home to be accepted by my parents. But most of all, I wanted to be accepted by my friends. And I was shy, but I had a deep longing to be a part of the in crowd. I hoped that my acceptance from these people would make me feel better but it didn't. I was terrible at fitting in. I was extremely awkward and couldn't last two minutes, even two seconds talking to a girl. I just wanted someone with open arms to reach out and take all the stress away. Someone who would love me for me, an awkward and insecure person as I was. And the year I started high school, the Lord answered my prayer and led me to a close friend who accepted me. He had a true relationship with Jesus. And we were both calling ourselves Christians, but he wasn't overly exhausted like I was. He was secure of who he was in Christ. He showed me that you don't have to have it all together to come to Jesus. And I slowly learned that Jesus loves me where I am, and no amount of rule keeping is going to make him accept me any more than he already does. Now, during my senior year, God is showing me that he wants me to be in ministry in my whole life, no matter what my job is. And I am going on a missions trip this summer, and I'm loving others the way he has loved me. And by dying to myself, my old, shy, and desperate, lonely, and people-pleasing self, and allowing him to be the Lord of my life, God has truly made me complete. My name is Josh Doolin, and I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm a follower. And I love that expression. If you guys have not... um, I don't know if you guys like to read, but there's an awesome book called Not a Fan by Kyle Adelman. It's so good. It's constantly just this talk about how we're not called to be fans of Jesus. Like, here's what I mean by that. Like, so many Christians, we're just fans. Like, we just are like, you know, we we read a Bible verse and we're like, oh, Jesus, I like what you said. Like, like, just like liking a tweet or an Instagram post. It's like, oh, Jesus, like, that's a nice saying. Like, you go to church, you hear a Bible study. Oh, that's a great Bible study. Like, but Jesus is saying, I want you to follow me. That's what he's calling us to do, not just be fans of what he says, but people who do the things that he says. Guys, the conclusion of what happens when you become a leader, and like I said, every single one of you guys here, no matter what your age is, God is working on your leadership skills. He wants you to lead. He's developing you as a leader. What happens when you become the kind of leader where you allow God to lead you so that you can lead others, it's amazing because what happens is it takes the pressure off of you because you no longer have to come up with everything. You don't have to set the objective. Like, think about that. When you're letting Jesus lead you, you don't have to set the objective for your life. You don't have to draw up the map or make the plan. He sets all that. He reveals it to you as you spend time with him. And then as you follow him, other people follow you because they're attracted to what's going on in your life. He's guiding you and helping you. Your power and strength comes from him. As a godly leader, you have the end goal in mind. I love what Matt Chandler says. He says, God ultimately raises up leaders for one reason his glory. He shows his power in our weakness. He demonstrates his wisdom in our foolishness. We are all like a turtle on a fence post. So just imagine a fence and like a fence post, and then just like a turtle sitting on a fence post. Here's what he says If you walk by a fence post and see a turtle on top of it, then you know somebody had to put it up there because how the heck would that turtle like climb up on that fence post itself? It wouldn't happen. So in the same way, God wants us to put us in leader. He wants to put us in leadership to the point where not people look at us and say, oh, look at him. He climbed up on top of that fence post by himself. What a great turtle. God looks at us and he says, or, or people look at us and they say, wow, I know that the reason that, that person is doing so well has to be because of their relationship with Jesus. That's what I want people to see in me. Because I'm a, I'm a screw up. I mess up all the time. I do stupid things. I say stupid things. I'm socially awkward and strange. And and I'm glad that my wife loves me because I never thought anyone would. And just like, just it's insane. The the life that I have is so Blessed and it has nothing to do with me, it's because Jesus has blessed me as I've surrendered to Him and followed Him. Now, here's my question for you guys: like, what is your end goal? Like, in any situation, you have to ask yourself, as you're doing what you do, what is your end goal? Like, for instance, I had a crush on a girl. Like all throughout junior high. And my end goal was that one day I would marry her and be happy because I wanted happiness. Or, you know, when I was a kid, I played t ball because I thought it would be fun. And so, like, my end goal was fun and also, like, making my dad proud of me. Um, And he's proud of me, but not because of baseball. I was really bad at baseball. Um, For you in your life right now, the things that you're pursuing, what is your end goal? Is it, you know, you're thinking of college? Is it like, I need money? I need success? Or, right now, maybe you're messing around with drugs a bit and you're wondering like, you know, is this going to make me happy? And you're pursuing that. That's your end goal, happiness through substances. Or maybe the things that you post on social media, like what are you thinking? What's your end goal through that post? Is it to get attention? Is it to appear attractive to people? Is it to seem cool? What, what is, what is your goal? I think That Paul gives us an example of what the best end goal is. When Paul the Apostle said, looking not at the things that are behind, but looking ahead, I press forward to the goal that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Paul's goal. And it's such a great goal. Because here's a couple reasons why Jesus is a great goal. One, Jesus created us to be loved. He created you to be loved and for you to love him. Catch that. God did not create you just so that you could love him. Like he wasn't some like, you know, like needy, like just like dee who was like, I'm insecure. I need to create people to love me. No, God created you because he wanted to love you. He wanted a relationship with you. He wanted the beautiful back and forth. Another is that God loves you so much that he died for you. And we've heard that so much, it becomes just something that we just glaze over, but he loves you so much that he would have died for you if you were the only person on the planet. He desperately loves you. And three, God has a goal for the world. Look around the world, look at how bad it is. Look at how horrible people are to one another. Look at the violence and the shootings and the racism and the the sexism and just the hatred all around the world of people towards one another. Like those are only a few of the world's problems. There are so many more. God envisions a world, a planet earth where one day none of that stuff exists. And all that exists is a world where people love one another and love God. And it's just this ultimate planet of freedom where there's no more limitations. And it's just us experiencing things the way they were always supposed to be. It's amazing. And, And, and what happens is when we don't follow God, when we don't follow His plan, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says this. He says it's just, it's vanity. It's all vanity, vanity. Here's what that means it's a Jewish word, it's a Hebrew word, hevel. Everyone say hevel. Hevel. So what is hevel? Look right there. You're looking at it. It's smoke. That's all it is. He's saying, basically, your life is a vapor, and he's saying that if we live for ourselves, literally, our life will just be like smoke. It'll be like, there it is, and oh, it's cool, and then, oh, it's gone, and that's all there is to it. But if you live for Jesus, you're living for a kingdom that lasts forever. Everything else is just chasing the wind. Guys, I, I just, man, personally, Like, how do you follow Jesus? Like, what does that look like? I know for me growing up, like, what they told me, what I was told, was just like, you know, how do I follow Jesus, Pastor? Well, just read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll be fine. And, like, that was, like, the magic formula. It was just like, yeah, like, you want to follow Jesus? Just do your devotions. Like, get up in the morning and read. And... You know, that ties into, you know, this idea of abiding. You guys ever heard where Jesus says, you know, abide in me and I'll abide in you. You guys ever heard Jesus say that? It's like, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. That's what relationship looks like. And and prayer is us speaking back. It's us talking to the Lord. But listen, reading the Bible is not a magical formula. If you treat the Bible like it's a magic formula where if you read the Bible, everything, like your life will just get better, then you're never gonna get anything out of it because that's not why it was written. It's not like a genie in a bottle where you like open up and flip to random verses and like God solves all your issues. If you treat the Bible as a mystical book that'll magically transport God's blessings into your life, whenever you open up, you'll be sadly disappointed. But listen, if you, listen, guys, I'm wrapping up. If you treat the Bible as God's living word, where every time you open it up, you're beginning a conversation with the person who made you and loves you. If you treat the Bible as a portal into relationship, then you'll be so blessed. We need to listen to God's voice. Now listen, it goes beyond so much more than just reading the Bible. Because think about Abraham, right? The first guy who followed God. Did he have a Bible? Did he have an onion skin New King James version Bible that he carried around. No, the Bible was not written yet. And yet Abraham followed God. So did Abraham have a Bible? No, but when God spoke to him, he listened. Now we have Bibles. We like don't have to go into the desert and like stand out and be like, okay, God, I'm waiting. Like, are you going to show up and speak to me? Like Abraham did. We actually have the written word of God. And so for us, God is constantly speaking. The question is, are you listening? He's constantly speaking to you through the Bible, through messages like these, through friends, through family, through small groups, through nature, through like grass and and fire and the ocean when you're out surfing. Like God is constantly trying to tell you things. Are you listening? I know for me, like when I was dating Brooklyn, we used to, like, have these long, like, text conversations before texting, like, before, like, cell phones, and, like, before that was really common. We had, like, MSN, AIM. I used to use this messaging app called Pigeon, um, where it was, like, a combination of, like, MSN, AIM, and, like, AOL, and all these things. And some of you guys are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) It was a different time, early 2000s. I enjoyed those long, chats with Brooklyn so much because as we were sitting there on our little computers before laptops, like in our rooms, like on our desktop, like typing out these long, like just things to one another. When I was reading what she wrote, I was getting to know her. I was getting to know who she was and what she was about and the things that she liked and the things that she didn't like. And I loved reading those things. I was like, Oh man, is there anything in my inbox from Brooklyn today for us? Do we treat by the Bible that way? Do we treat Bible studies that way? Do we treat conversations with other believers that way? The spirit of God is in every single one of you. And if you let him speak through you, he will. And if you listen, you will hear when he speaks through others. Guys, the spirit of God is like the wind and it's constantly around us and it's constantly moving. Some of you guys here today are like, God hasn't spoken to me in forever. He is speaking to you right now. If you would only listen and he's saying, I love you and I care about you and I have a plan for you and I am always speaking. I'm always speaking. Guys, are you listening? That's the first step to following is listening. You can't obey unless you listen. So that's all I've got for tonight. I've got more in my notes, but I've gone already for 45 minutes. So I'm going to save it for next time. And from now, what we're going to do is we're going to break up into some groups and we're going to talk this out and we're going to ask just what is God speaking to us? I just want to encourage you guys because some, some of you guys, you know, I love you because we've been together like since you guys were babies. But for those of you new guys, like me and, and Brooklyn and the counselors, we love you guys and we want you to know that God wants to speak to you. So listen, if you're, if you're here tonight. If you're here tonight and you sat through this message and you're like, oh my gosh, God said so many things to me. This is awesome. I wrote them down. That's great. If you're here today and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope no one calls on me in small groups because I didn't get anything out of this message and this guy's weird. Listen, that's okay. That's okay. Know this. God loves you. And even if you're sitting here right now and you're like, I don't feel like I got that much. He loves you. At least get that. And at least understand that he cares about you. And if you open up your heart to him and you say, God, please speak to me. He will. Just be patient. Just be patient, listen, and then when he tells you something, do what he says. Amen? Amen. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you so much for these awesome kids. I just pray that you would bless them. God, help them to know that as you're developing them into the leaders, into student body presidents and cheer captains and and leaders of friend groups and, and just different things that you're calling them to as you're developing their leadership skills. God, help them not to miss that in order for them to be good leaders, they have to be good followers. They have to follow you. That's where it all starts. Everything else is just the blind leading the blind. As we discuss these things tonight, just help us, God, to understand what it truly means to follow you. We love you, Jesus. And I pray that tonight you would bless our hearts so that we can bless you with our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for this friendship. Thank you, God, that you are the way. Help us to follow the way of Jesus. In your name, amen. 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 Amen.